0: Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Can't stop getting moons. <laughs> I have an um, addiction. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I'm trying to find my dealer. Uh, yeah, Dom isn't <laughs> joining us this week. Once again, he's currently away. Uh, he should be back next week, and we'll get his thoughts from uh, what we've been playing, because we're going to just get right into it. Super Mario Odyssey. Um <laughs> So we've both been playing it, obviously. Uh, We're at different points. I'll talk about my experiences first, uh, because it's the only game I've really played this week. I've dabbled in some other stuff, but nothing of note, like Destiny 2 and yada, yada, yada. Um, But Super Mario Odyssey. First off, I want to let it be known, this is a game that I've been waiting for. It's the whole reason I bought the Switch. I've talked about that before on this podcast. It's literally the only reason I bought a Switch so early. Usually I'm not this early of an adopter. You sure you
1: didn't go just for poke tournament DX?
0: <laughs> no, I was actually I was thinking of uh, those neo those hot Neo Geo games that are that are on the Switch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, Super Mario Odyssey. I've beaten the campaign. I'm gonna avoid all spoilers, obviously, because Jordan Jordan uh, hasn't beat yet. Um, but what I do want to say regarding the end game is that it definitely rewards you for finishing this game. And after you beat the game, there is enough there to want you to continue to get moons and explore these places. And, um, yeah, I just think it's a very good hook of it unlocking stuff post-game. I'm trying to talk as best as I can without spoiling things. Uh, I guess I'll just – I want to talk about what I loved about the game, which has nothing to do with – Wait.
1: How many moons you got?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm currently at 470.
1: Damn! (laughs) Damn! Yes. Motherfucker! Yeah. yeah, so I'm uh, at the the Beach Kingdom or whatever it's called, and uh, I have 180, I think.
0: Okay, I finished so, the game with 240. 220. Yeah. You can finish the game with yeah. very little moons. You can straight line it, but I doubt people are going to do that because it's that thing where you're getting moons to get the minimum requirement to get stuff, and you're like, I want to explore this world a little bit more, you know, and get stuff. Um,
1: so you've gotten over 200 moons since you beat the game. That's yes. fucking crazy. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so
0: yeah. I want I want to talk about the game for for a bit. Um you know, not too long because we have a lot of news, but uh basically what I want to talk about with it is I love what Nintendo built with this game. I love that it rewards exploration and skill-based gameplay. Um mm. This is something, especially as you get to the later levels, and once you're replaying these levels after post-game, they reward you for trying new things. There's always coins, or a moon, or um, the the kingdom-specific coins that are all purple, but they're different shapes. This game rewards you for trying new things, and I love it.
1: I love it so much. It is a very rewarding experience from every angle, I would say.
0: Yeah, um... One of the biggest things for me is I was worried that when I beat this game, I don't know if I'd want to go back to these other kingdoms and explore, you know? And the thing that I find so intriguing is that every kingdom, for the most part, uh, and I don't want to say how many kingdoms there are because that is another spoiler for Jordan that I want to kind of stare away from as well, but all of the kingdoms, for the most part, have like three different versions, or at least three or more. And it's basically the version in which you land on the kingdom. The kingdom as it is after you beat the Brutals, right? After you beat the Brutals. And then post-game, there's actually a third version that unlocks where it's like different enemies oh, or different characters. Up. or Yeah, so yeah. I really think that's awesome because it gives you three different experiences that you can enjoy. Uh, I think the most obvious as far as visual look is... Uh, The Sand Kingdom, because it goes from day to night to day again. And I think that's really cool. Um, Hmm. There's a lot of other things that open up post-game. Like I said, we can go about that in depth after you have finished the game in Dom, because I don't want to spoil anything. But I do think there are some really cool kingdoms in here. One of the strongest things in this game, I think, is that each kingdom feels so unique in and of itself. um, That they have their own capture uh, minions. They have their own other mechanics that you kind of learn outside of just capturing. Um, and I, I just think they do a really good job of fleshing out those individual wor- uh, worlds and kind of having that carrot on a stick in each world where they give you outfits specific to that world that you want to get. They give you certain, um, I mean, one of the, my favorite parts of this game are the 2D, uh, the 2D aspects the the where you go into the pipe and you go back to 2D Mario. Question, uh, yeah. Jordan, have you hit the Metro Kingdom yet?
1: Yeah, that's after after that, yeah. So that's
0: something we can talk about. Spoilers, uh, skip ahead about a minute or a minute and a half or so real quick. Man, the end of Metro... Actually, I don't know if you do this automatically. At the end of Metro Kingdom, did you do the festival thing?
1: Yeah, you get a choice, I guess. And, I mean, I don't know who would have said no to that, you know. I definitely said yes, and it was fun little... You know, it's basically a a Donkey Kong reference, because that was the first time Mario appeared, if I'm correct. Um. And, you know, I think I mentioned this off the show, but when they originally debuted that trailer and had the, the song um, One Up Girl, it's it's got a couple different names. Who the fuck knows? But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, uh, with Mayor Pauline. Um, oh, I fucking love that song so much. And it's just them playing it, uh, doing the festival while you're going around in the 2D version. And, yeah, man, it's just... It's like the best type of fan service, the best type of yeah. uh, nostalgia drip that they could possibly have, and, and that's kind of permeates throughout the game, but that is one of the highlights, at least so far for me.
0: Yeah, and so the big thing for me is I'm not a Sunshine guy, I'm not a Galaxy guy. I Like I've said before the show, I dabbled in those games, they didn't really hook me. They were not what I wanted personally out of a 3D Mario game, and for me, the 2D games are fine and I enjoy them. But Super Mario 64 has always been my favorite, and it's not just like nostalgia, rose-tinted glasses. I just like the free 3D movement in a world, going to the paintings and exploring these worlds. And I didn't really get that in Sunshine from what I wanted, and I didn't really get that in Galaxy. And I mean, Odyssey delivers on all of that. One of my favorite things is that there's these little subtle hints to, to 64 throughout the game that you kind of run into. And for fear of spoiling stuff for you, I don't want to say exactly what some of those things are. Um, because there well, are there's so-
1: the paintings for one. Yes, there's the paintings. The, that's that's present from the start, essentially yeah. in the Sand Kingdom, where you go into uh, like a secret spot in one of the other worlds from the game. Yeah. Um, from this game, from Odyssey. So, like, you go. I think you can go into the Metro Kingdom from the first spot in the Sand Kingdom, and it gives you a little moon. Yeah. Um, and then you can go back to the Sand Kingdom through a, a paint portal. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool.
0: Um, you finished the Beach Kingdom, right?
1: Yeah, I'm done so, with that Finished Beat the, the
0: Octoboss. So there's obviously the Loch Ness Monster guys uh, as well, that character. Um, there's some other stuff. Like I said, I don't want to spoil it for you by any means, but there's some other nods to 64 that I really love because my inner child was like, I remember doing this in 64. Um, yeah. I think... I just can't get over how well this game is designed. One of the, my last points before we move on to your thoughts on Odyssey and what else you've been playing, because I really haven't done anything outside of Odyssey, really, is I love the worlds and how compact and tight they are because it feels like there's no wasted space um, for me. Ah, and,
1: yeah, that's a very good point.
0: Yeah, and like for me, I've talked about uh, Breath of the Wild, and my biggest gripe is I feel the world is very empty it's big for the sake of being big, and that's one of my biggest gripes. Mm. With Mm. Odyssey, you enter this kingdom, and I'm not going to lie, some of the kingdoms when you first enter them, you're like, this is kind of tiny. This is really all the kingdom is. And, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you actually get your feet on the ground, and you're looking from Mario's perspective, and you're going through this kingdom, you then realize there's actually a lot more space to play with here than I once thought. Uh, One of the earliest examples is Cascade Kingdom, um, with the T-Rex, uh, where you get a you get to take control of him, when you first get sure. to that level, and you're first getting the Odyssey, it's like, oh, this is a weird tiny little level, this is probably just like a makeshift tutorial kingdom kind of thing, um, and then I'm, you move on, right? And you kind of don't spend a lot of time there, because the game's trying to usher you forward to the real kind of start of the game through Cap Kingdom and stuff. But when you go back yeah. to Cascade, man, does that, does that level open up, and on the outside looking in, it's like, well, this level isn't really that big, but They make use of all of the space thanks to the 2D um, mechanic in the game where you go through the tunnel and you play 2D Mario. Um, They use levels really well, and I'm talking about verticality. Verticality, Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think they do such a good job of not wasting space. Even, Mm -hmm. like, as much as I love 64, I think 64 wasted some space a lot of times, too, where it was empty in some certain areas of the level, you know? Um, and I think this does a much better job of no wasted space. Yeah. These worlds aren't overly gigantic and super impressive, but the depth and complexity of them, uh, plus the mini worlds inside each world where you go through the tunnels and stuff. I think it's great. Um, I think each kingdom has its own feel too. Metro kingdom is probably the most vertically challenging where it's like, you know, you, you explore through moving up. Whereas a lot of the other ones are just explored through like looking through nooks and crannies or moving around the world. Um, like this is the most addicted I've been uh, with a game for a very long time. Like I said I'm at 450 moons. The game has been out I'd say a the week. same. I'd yeah. It's the same. It's every time I'm not playing it, I'm like I'm thinking of like, "Oh, there's probably a moon in this area I saw before or man, I can't wait to see what the, for this I'm talking about in relation to before I beat the game. What are these other kingdoms? Like what's the next kingdom I'm going to see?" And I'm yeah. telling you now, Jordan, there are some kingdoms that you that come up that you will not expect. And I'm like... Because like a lot of them are like a little bit Mario Tropy of like, oh, there's the underwater level or... Or just video this,
1: game like, Tropy, like there's the ice level, yeah. there's the desert level, there's the forest level, yeah.
0: But I think the thing they do is in those Tropy levels, they do change it up to where... My biggest concern when I first went to the Lake Kingdom is, oh, this is the underwater level. But... Man, it changes... I think change, the traversal in that Lake Kingdom changes completely when you realize you can overtake the fish. And swimming through with the fish, you don't have to worry about your 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 breath, right? And you can yeah. just worry about exploring. And I think if this was a different Mario game where you didn't have that ability and you were constantly worrying about your air, and I, that's something that happens in 64, where the underwater level is you're constantly worrying about your air management. In this, you take over a fish, just explore underwater. And I think that's really cool because... The biggest problem with underwater levels is the difficulty and annoyance level, and I think when you take out having to worry about your air capacity, you make it just about exploring underwater, and who doesn't love that, right? Unless you're like afraid of oh, like yeah. whales or something. But even that sure. level, it's 50-50. Half of the level is underwater, half of it's above. Like Most of the moons you get are above water, you know? Uh, so they didn't mm-hmm. really have, e- even on the, the beachside kingdom, there's more underwater there, but there's a good amount above water. And I think they did a, a good job of mixing that in because I think they knew people weren't particularly fond of underwater levels in Mario. Um, yeah. But man, there's some, there's some kingdoms that, that come up that are very surprising to me because I just never thought I'd see those types of things in a Mario game. And I don't want to get too much into it, like I said, because I don't want to spoil anything for you, but I'm having a blast with Super Mario Odyssey. Right now, it's my favorite game of the year. Shocker. Um, I'm still loving it. Um, There's a lot of other games I had to play and stuff, but for me, I think this captured 64 more than what Zelda did for what I liked about Legend of Zelda games. Um, Yeah. And this is the game, the Mario game I've wanted 64, and it's delivered on it, and yeah, I can't wait to talk Endgame with you and Dom. Uh, what about you, though? Yeah, have been playing Odyssey. I want to hear what you have to say.
1: Of course. I have a question, though. You said okay. there's, like, these three phases to each uh, kingdom. Okay. So should I go before I get to the end? Like, I guess I'll know when I'm going into the last kingdom, I assume?
0: Uh, yeah, you'll know when you're going into the last kingdom, for sure, 100%. So then should I go back through all of them before I beat the game? No, no, no. So what I would suggest is... How would I say this without spoiling anything?
1: Almost like you do in Bloodborne or or a Souls game where you don't want to beat the game because it sends you right into New Game Plus and you want to get stuff done before you do that because it ups the difficulty. So
0: what I would do is you go through the levels and you have uh, most levels, are I think all the levels, have their initial boss, right? Uh, The Brutals. Not every kingdom, I think most of the kingdoms, now that I'm thinking about it, have a second boss or a second something right, for lack of spoilers. Mm. I say maybe go back and touch on some of your favorite kingdoms, but when you finish the game, that second boss will still be there, and then after you beat them, other stuff will open up in the world too. So it's not necessary for you to go back, but I think if you want to revisit those the kingdoms you really enjoyed before going to the final boss, I would say do it. I don't think it's mandatory by any means, but it, but it, it wouldn't could be... hurt
1: if I did that. If I oh, just went no. through all the kingdoms again. No. Because no, like no. you said, the Sand Kingdom goes from day to night to day. Am I going to miss the night if I don't go back before I beat the game?
0: No. Because you have okay. to beat a specific boss for it to turn back to day. I gotcha. So That's what I'm cool. saying is the third the third version usually unlocks after you beat that second boss. So even not if you because you beat the you game. Beat the that game. boss is still there. Yeah. So you're
1: okay. Good. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So yeah, um, I would say just real quick, uh, as far as game of the year stuff, it is uh, Horizon's still my favorite game of the year, but this is very close, and obviously I'm not finished with it, so it could definitely take and that spot.
0: Unfortunately, and I didn't play Horizon, so it's not a true. Minus. True. Yeah, true. Unfortunately, yeah.
1: Um, but. Um, Either way, it's very close to Horizon, and without having beat it, it's, you know, that's pretty. That's pretty impressive because you, you like yeah. Horizon
0: a lot. So to hear oh, that, I it's love, that close.
1: I love Horizon. Yeah. Very excited for that DLC. Um, so, yeah, just echoing a lot of what you're saying, I think that. Uh, I do think there's probably a little bit too many moons. You know, if it was like, what is there, like something like 800?
0: There's 1,000.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, if it was, like, five or six hundred, I think that'd be the sweet spot. Um, because some of them are kind of just, like, you walk into a room and you get a moon, you know? Some of them like that, yeah. it's like, eh, I don't well, know. So,
0: I, I want to interject real quick. I think... Sure. So, most of those moons are the ones you get to let you move forward in the game, right? Because they're, like, the very easiest ones are the surface-level ones that you get them by accident most of the time, right? Hmm. I will say that after the, after the game... When you're going back and you're trying to get the moons i think there's definitely a progression of the difficulty of moons and i think the reason there's so many moons is because i think they want moons for every type of player they want the moons that are for people who want a casual mario experience to be able to go through have a blast platforming jumping around but they don't want to halt their progress in moving forward in the game so they don't want everything tied to platforming or boss fights or all of this, the, these side activities, because some people just want a jolly Mario experience, right? These thing of yeah. young kids, uh, a little bit older kids, they want to have those easy moons for people. And yeah, for us, it's like, why is this moon even here? It's like it's on a tree. Jump up, get it. But for like somebody who is just ha- trying to have a different experience in us, I think, oh, cool! I got another moon. I can finally move forward. Whereas them having yeah. to repeat like these like platforming things or these races or these challenges, I think there's there's a tiered moon system in the game because I found myself where you kind of go through a checklist of like, you go through, you get all the super easy moons, then you're like, okay, what's next? Uh, Let me go through all the pipe areas and see if there's moons I missed. Then I go through these things, then I go through like the challenges and all this stuff. So you kind of like work your way through these different tiers of difficulty. And yeah, Mm. there could be be an argument for maybe they can cut that down by like 20% for the moons. But I do think there's a reason why there's so many is because you need the tiered system of difficulty depending on the type of player is that is playing the game but right. you know that's just that's my point. my thought process on it yeah you know?
1: that's a good point but at the same time there's a lot of almost worthless moons where you just walk in to a room or or jump on a tree and it's right there it's like there's a lot of those so yeah. either way it's not it's it's not a bad problem to have yeah um but it does mean that I'm you know a little bit less likely to go through and get every single one and
0: 100% the game. Um, regardless. Uh, can I interject one more time real quick? <laughs> go ahead. They give you a reason to go after as many moons as possible after you beat the game.
1: Okay, makes sense. Oh, oh, oh. Um,
0: and the reward might not be for you, so I'm not saying it's 100% you'll want to get the moons, but there is a carrot on the end of the stick that you might be interested in. I'll put it that way.
1: Okay, okay. okay. Um. so I think uh, I enjoy I've enjoyed the Mario games throughout the years I know some people have been a little bit put off by them but I've enjoyed the variety and the fact that they weren't uh, willing or allowing the series to get stale um, I've enjoyed the fact that uh, they have done like Far out stuff where like sunshine is about you cleaning up oil off an island and stuff like that, <laughs> you know um, But it is good to be kind of like back in that uh, pocket with Mario. It is good to um, have that kind of homey cozy experience with it and um, You know, even though there I think there might be just a few too many moons. I'm glad that there are a bunch because it even before I beat the game there's so much incentive to do it just because they're fun um, a lot of the ones that are more like puzzle based are um, it's a, a basically the same way I felt about uh, Zelda's um, uh, shrines where the puzzles are, are never too far out of reach you can figure them out for the most part on your own um, maybe here or there you might look up a walkthrough but for the most part it's really uh, just fun to kind of rack your brain and figure it out that way. Um, and then, yeah, the the beauty and the diversity of the kingdoms is great. The, of course, the music's great. You know, you mentioned some of the bigger callbacks to the series, but I like even the smaller ones. Like, for example, when you die, then it goes, but it doesn't go into the song. It doesn't go, doo-doo-doo, yeah. you know, it just does yeah. the first part. And that's like, And so I'm playing that out, the rest of it out of my head, but it's a really cool, uh, smaller Uh, nod.
0: Can I say something about the music that happens endgame? And I don't think this is a spoiler. I want to tell you something about the music endgame. After you beat the game, you unlock the ability to play whatever piece of music that you've encountered throughout the game at any point. Nice. Yeah, so you can go through the menu, and you can pick the specific track you want to listen to while you're doing whatever you're doing. I think that's cool.
1: That's fucking dope. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah and the music is is awesome so um yeah not too much uh negative to say there are a lot of jaggies in this game a lot of jagged edges um which uh takes away a little bit from the beauty of it but it seems like you know going through digital foundries uh tech analysis of the game um there's some explanation as to why that's there and why nintendo would have chosen to do that um So it's interesting. I do think it's interesting that uh, some of those jaggies will go away if you go into um, photo mode to take a picture. Yeah. Which is like, okay, well now you're kind of like misrepresenting the game when people are posting this on social media, which is a little, just a little bit shady, backdoor shady deal there.
0: But I I don't think people are going to Mario for visual fidelity.
1: You know. No, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, I,
0: yeah, I, yeah. I understand
1: like it's not this big of a bump, but if like if we didn't have the PS4 Pro and and Horizon was just in 1080, and then you go into photo mode and your photos are like you know, I got 2K yeah. or, or 4K, you know, stuff like that. It's like well, the game doesn't actually technically look that good when you're actually moving around. So either way, it's not a huge deal, but uh, the jaggies are a little, a little uh, definitely noticeable. I should say um the the platforming is really tight i like the fact that you can um put the camera right above mario like directly above him um for certain platforming sections that's really important um an example being like when you uh throw your cap at the ring activators or the yeah i guess that's a good way to put them and then they they uh shoot out this ring that that expands and then you want to just look directly above him so you jump right over the ring stuff like that is is really great and appreciated um the uh you know we were talking about how like zelda could have a full voice cast instead of the half ass stuff that they did for breath of the wild and here it's like it's just goofy as hell how like when cappy talks to you it's like dibber, jibber, jibber, <laughs> dibber, dibber, you know like <laughs> just stupid gibberish um not that they need to have voices but it's just like like it's just goofy at this point. It just kind of, like, you know, makes me laugh. I'm like, oh, Nintendo, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, It's not a complaint, I should say. Um, So, yeah, just those are just kind of general thoughts about the game. I mean, I'm very positive on it, having a lot of fun. You know, 180 moons where I'm at, I think I've got uh, quite a few, definitely more, than I need to complete the game (laughs) Uh, at this point.
0: What did you Um, think I was going to
1: say? uh, That's something I should say real quick, is that I really enjoy the, like almost puzzle aspects of the boss battles and how you do have to think just a bit. Um, yeah. Um, you gotta be just a little bit thoughtful there to kind of figure things out with the bosses and, and they're so diverse. I think that, um, when you're getting up to a boss, it really is exciting and fun. And none of them are, um, one thing is, yeah, they could be a little more difficult cause they're bosses, but I think I've only had to retry, uh, any of the bosses once one retry yeah. for all the bosses, and it's like yeah they could be a little more difficult than that you know um but yeah like i said mostly super positive on the game having a lot of fun with it and uh you know enjoying it in both handheld and docked mode um and uh yeah can't wait to see what some of these secrets are that you're alluding to and yeah and man and some <laughs> other people have it sounds like they've got a lot of treats in store, you know, and and I've already talked about some of the treats that I've experienced thus far. So Jordan, it's just a fun, exciting game, man. And I guess that's the biggest takeaway right now I have for it is that it is such a fun game. There's so many games that just forget to be fun and not every game needs to be fun. I'm not saying that at all. There's certain games where that shouldn't be. I mean, every game should have an aspect of fun to it, you know, Uh, in a sense, or enjoyability, I guess you could say. Um, but certain games, you don't need to, like, nail being fun all the time. But that is what Mario does, is Mario Odyssey is pretty fucking fun basically all the time. And I just love that part, that I'm just constantly having a ball, and that, that is really awesome, you well, know?
0: Speaking to fun, uh, speaking to fun real quick, I think the biggest thing I can say is this is the first time in a while that I have gotten to the end of a game and been smiling ear to ear. Like, the end yeah. of this game is just so awesome for people who have a history with Mario and love Mario. Like, it definitely pays off the the, the, the adventure, you know? And yeah. I want to address one big, one big concern and criticism that people have that I would just want to say that is total bullshit is people are spouting off this nonsense that well you know the real problem with odyssey is that there is these moves that with cappy that you have to you know use the motion controls and take off your joy cons off the side of your control uh, off the side of your switch and you know it makes it so it takes me out of the game i have not once removed the joy cons from the side of my switch and i've been able to do every single move that cappy can do in the game really i i
1: got it Gotta disagree with that. I'm actually agreeing with most of the people on the internet there because I've tried in handheld mode, just shaking my switch to do the move, and it won't work. I can't well I just I can't get it to activate, you know. Well, maybe it's just a personal Um,
0: experience, but from like me, I've been able to do every single move in the game, no questions asked with my Joy Cons. I've only played this in handheld mode. I haven't played it in dock mode at all. Only played it in handheld mode, yeah. Haven't had any issues with So
1: you're so when you do the thing where you throw Cappy and then it al- it's almost like a it, it it goes in the direction of like a number seven where you throw him out this way and then it arcs to the left or to the right. Yeah. You can do that. Or the one where you make him uh, spin in a circle around you. All that stuff works for you without yeah. having to
0: yeah, mess around with it
1: too hard. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm.
0: Also, there's a hidden move that people don't do that is very helpful. And they teach you in the game, but I forgot about it. If you throw Cap, if you jump, throw Cappy, and then hit... Uh, Left trigger, whatever the shit they call it on Nintendo ZL or whatever, hit, if you hit left trigger and Y again while you're in the air, you'll leap forward and hop onto Cappy and then onto a platform. It's very helpful. Um, yeah. They teach yeah, you about yeah, it yeah. in the game, but for some reason I forgot about it, and it's very helpful in a lot of the races uh, post-game. Um,
1: I like that. Um, and also you can just do the thing where you're holding down the Y button to keep him floating and spinning, yep. and then just run into him and he'll shoot you up.
0: Uh, yeah, so we've talked about Odyssey. Obviously, we're going to have a lot more to talk about when Dom gets here and our post-game analysis. Post-game? <laughs> it's weird. It sounds like a football thing. Our post-game analysis coming up in five. <laughs> uh, but what else did you play before we hop into the news? Anything else?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I will get to that. I do want to say one thing, though. The fact that it has an option in Mario Odyssey to turn off motion controls and you still it still forces you to use motion controls in certain situations is fucking dumb. The fact that it has the option, like, turn off motion controls, yes, I will do that. I turned off motion controls. And then it's like, all right, now when you want to do this move, use motion controls. Like, what the fuck is the option there for, you know? I mean, I don't like the fact that they're being forced on us, especially in a game that just isn't about motion controls. They're not really, you know, building. It's not like uh, uh, Galaxy or Galaxy 2 where they're building the control scheme around that. Yeah. So I don't like the fact that they're in there at all. And it does take away from the game for me. But then the fact that it has an option to turn them off, and you, and then it's use, you know, tutorials pop up where it's like, here's how to use the motion control parts. Well,
0: what maybe the fuck are you
1: talking about?
0: Maybe that's the thing too. Is that I never owned a Wii or a Wii U. No one owned a Wii U. But uh, oh
1: wow, never owned a Wii.
0: No, this uh, the Switch was my first uh, console, quote unquote, since the GameCube. Um, so Damn. Like, I don't have that connect with Nintendo for motion controls that like, that I think a vast majority of the population does. Of like, they still ha- connect motion controls to Nintendo, whereas for me, yeah. that's not a thing for me. Like when I play Nintendo games, I don't automatically assume uh, this has motion controls or there's going to be a part where I need to use motion controls. So that's just not something. You're that, not
1: fatigued. Well, it's not you don't even, have the motion control fatigue.
0: Well, it's not even. I guess yeah, fatigue is a uh, way to put it, but also like it's just not in my thought of mind. Like I don't think. I need to use motion controls. That's not like a, like a thing I think about. So even when I'm like, oh, I have to shake it here or something, for me it doesn't resonate as motion controls. And motion's more like gyroscopic controls or just like, I don't know. It's it's very weird for me the disconnect because, I'm in the minority of people who didn't play the Wii or Wii U. So I don't, I don't have that correlation really. You know, I'm not tired yeah. of motion controls because I never really how to deal with them, I don't know, it's very weird. Uh, but I, I, just, I agree, it's weird to have an option where you can turn it off and it doesn't do anything really, that's dumb. Yeah,
1: I turned yeah. it off and then it's like, here's how you do it, I'm like, yeah. you kidding me right now? Yeah, just give dude. me a different button prompt, you know, maybe click the stick or something where you have a little extra button that's not already being used, And or like the fact that when you're climbing up a pole or a tree and you got to sh- like shake the fucking thing, it's like, why not just make me tap the button, you know? Just tap the button real fast, and then you go up faster. Like, come on. But, um, yeah, I would say that's my biggest drawback, especially with the option being there, and it still gives you the prompts. It's fucking dumb. But, um, anyways, of course, Jared, the other game I played was Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, And I'll tell you what, bud, uh, I want to like this game a lot more than I do. I definitely want to like this game a lot more than I do. This is uh, the... Um, Now, I'll say this. I love Unity. Unity is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Assassin's Creed games. Um, And that game got a really bad rap for the technical issues. They tried to shove way too many fucking NPCs into that world. It was annoying and obnoxious. Not even, uh, you know, touching on the fact that, like it didn't necessarily feel more realistic just because there was more people there, you know? Like, not every fucking street in every fucking city is constantly crowded, you know what I mean? That doesn't make any sense. Even in, like, New York City, Tokyo, some of the most populated cities in the world. Um, Anyways, um, I played Unity after they had already had two patches, I think, and I've actually had more technical issues in both uh, Syndicate, which I played at launch, and now Origins, which I've played at launch. So I get um why people are so down on unity but it really sucks because i've heard a lot of people go back to that game after most of the patches were out and be like this is actually a great game and people have treated unity like it's just a bad game it's not a bad game it just has a lot of bad technical problems you know um but the game itself is actually great and the story is is pretty damn solid so Unity is one of my favorites. Syndicate's one of my favorites, and I will say uh, this is my one of my least favorite Assassin's Creed games in a long time. Probably my least favorite since Revelations, um, or maybe uh, AC Three, which was got to just be a slog after a while. Um, but yeah, let's let's hop into it here. So they've changed. So of course they took the year off, right? and they've definitely made changes. It certainly doesn't feel like, wow, this is a whole new ball game or anything like that. And uh, that's definitely what people are hoping for, but it's just not there. It's still a Ubisoft game. It's still an Assassin's Creed game uh, for the most part. But the big changes that they've made, in my opinion, are not progressive, they're regressive. Um, They take away options from the player. They take away tools from the player, um, especially from, the perspective of a a veteran of the series it's like you know i'm used to having certain things that i think should just be there that you added up to this and it felt like a more complete experience and in unity and syndicate and now you've taken those things away and it's really annoying and i'm not talking about like the zip line from syndicate i understand that that was like the part of the technological advances of the historical timeline that they were on before they went all the way back more of what i'm talking about is the fact that they've changed the control scheme quite a bit um and it took you know quite a while for me to get used to it um i was able to adapt to it but at the same time i don't necessarily like a lot of the changes um of where they've placed the buttons i think that the button mapping is pretty just um is is just kind of off it's not really there And, and and side note i think that you know it's it's great that within the PlayStation operating system you can remap any button um, which is a big thing for it's in the accessibility tab it's a big thing for Disabled gamers, and I really like that they include that for them. Like, if you only have one working hand and you're trying to only press certain buttons so that you're not straining yourself, then you can assign buttons a certain way within the PlayStation operating system. I think that every game, just like I think I'm, you know, I get pissed off, I've mentioned before, when games don't have like uh, look sensitivity, camera sensitivity options, stuff like that. I think every game should have a completely mappable control system. Like, why the fuck not are you? you know are you just so up your own ass that you won't let anybody change your control scheme you know i get that you work hard on it and there's def there should definitely be a default where it's like this is how we recommend you play the game but like with cuphead i could completely remap the controller and i changed a lot of things that i thought were really beneficial for me and i liked way better um than the original that they had which i didn't think was super great the original mapping but Um, regardless, the mapping here is kind of off. They don't have a remapping option, which like I said, I think every game should be standard. I think there's a lot of, uh, options that should be standard with every game that most games just don't have. So that's a separate conversation. But, um, yeah, instead of, uh, going into stealth mode with one of the triggers with the right trigger, you use a circle button to crouch, um, and then instead of, um, using the face buttons in combat to swing and stuff like that you're actually using r1 r2 now i'll say this with the combat they've taken a lot from uh, the souls and bloodborne games and um, they've tried to mimic that however um, those games are so intricate in their combat systems specifically talking about bloodborne because that's really the only souls game that i have uh Um, a deep experience with so talking about bloodborne um the combat system in in that game is so intricate and the reason that they were able to pull it off from software was able to pull it off is because of the fact that they have such prowess in uh that aspect of game development in in the combat aspects of their game development right so um, the fact that uh, some random Ubisoft studio I'm not exactly sure which if you could look that up that'd actually be great Jared Yeah. Um, which Ubisoft studio made this game because we know there's like hundreds at this point um, and what they've done in the past I don't know but um, uh, this is the team th- that just... made
0: Black Flag
1: okay so they've got a good Assassin's Creed under their belt yeah Oh, okay. Montreal is the flagship studio, so yeah. Either way, they're still nowhere near, like I said, the prowess of a studio like From Software when it comes to combat. And so, um, they've got the 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 main uh, combat actions on R1 and R2, where um, R1 is your light attack, R2 is your your heavy attack, and then L1 you can hold that down for your shield to put your shield up. And so they've mimicked kind of the, the Souls or Bloodborne uh, control scheme there. However, the combat is just messy, man. It's way closer in, over the shoulder. I don't like uh, the um, the camera positioning on it. I think that it, uh, is, that's one of the sloppier parts of it because you have guys attacking you from outside of your peripheral, which never would have been a problem in previous Assassin's Creed games. I'm always losing guys, and it's always... Um, you know kind of centering itself the way it wants to without me being able to get much control on it because you use the right stick to to switch between uh targets that you have locked onto and yeah the way it locks onto targets is really unintuitive um and then um, the way that the camera follows you once you have your lock on chosen is very unintuitive Um, the combat itself just the moment-to-moment clashes that you're in is just super messy which has never really been an issue in assassin's creed like i said they're they're mimicking deep combat systems that they don't have the chops for you know they're not fucking from software and they're not able to um to go into this like this depth that they have that from software has which is like you know Bloodborne's like a bottomless pit when it comes to combat depth. Um, and so, yeah, the combat is super fucking messy, um, which is really frustrating. You get into a lot of frustrating moments where I've never had issues in combat in Assassin's Creed. Um, and it's been easy in the past, but it it just feels like they just... It's just sloppy, is a good way to put it. Um, Which is very disappointing because it looked better from what they were showing Um, but yeah, the uh, the the combat itself is one of the lowest points I would say and then um, other ways they've taken away tools or uh, options um, or Control away from the player. things like smaller things, but still certainly important things like um you know you only have one speed that you can run now as opposed to basically three speeds um, from before you only have one speed on your horse and it gauges the speed based on where you are so if you're out in the country it'll go as fast as possible if you ride into a city it'll slow down to like the city speed i guess you could say um, but even though you might be in alexandria in these giant wide open streets where there's only two people on the road and you could be racing through here not even touching or near anybody and it won't allow you to even choose what speed your horse goes at just like it won't allow you to choose what speed you run at now it's fast enough um when bayek's running it's fast enough when the horse is at full speed out in the open areas outside of the cities but it's very frustrating that i can't choose that and that's been part of the series forever Um, another aspect is that when you walk up to assassinate somebody with your hidden blade It's not always necessarily going to kill them in one shot, which is like, well, then what the fuck is the point of a hidden blade that I'm supposed to assassinate people with? And so if they're higher level than you, then you might not be able to kill them. And I'm like, okay, well, then I guess I'll just have to, you know, as soon as I got the hidden blade, then I immediately started upgrading that bitch. And it's just like, come on, man, what the fuck are you guys thinking with some of these decisions that you've made that are very, like I said, regressive and taking away options and, and choices from the player, uh, which is, you know, the opposite direction from the rest of the industry at this point. Um, so the changes here are, are just mostly negative for me. Um, the way the story starts and the way not only the story starts, but the game starts and how it introduces you to things and the way it uh you know the tutorials that you do have are very so the tutorials specifically are extremely basic they do a terrible job of introducing you to the game and like getting you caught up or getting you feeling like you're comfortable with it you know i've played every assassin's creed mainline game and i was lost for a lot of different parts where i'm like wait how do i I don't you know, understand the intricacies here of how I'm properly supposed to do this or how the best way to go about these things are because they do such a terrible job of introducing you to the mechanics. And then, yeah, the story, the way that starts out is fucking garbage because it's almost like. The first group of cutscenes that you have and the second group of cutscenes that you have should be switched because it tosses you into this scenario. You really don't have any idea what's going on or even if the person you're watching is Bayek, is your character. And then that creates some confusion and then it gets off to a rocky start. Because like I said, if they had the second group of cutscenes at the beginning, that would be perfect because that introduces you to Bayek. That introduces you to why he has this vendetta against these people. And the world around him what's going on that would have introduced you to the story properly and then you go into the second cutscenes which is actually what uh, in the real game is the first set and then that would have flowed way better and it would have made more sense and you would have felt more comfortable and and, uh, a better grasp on the world and so it's just a mess there um it's not a bad game i i know i'm being very negative on it but there's a lot of negative with this game that's really unfucking necessary it's just stupid like i said they shouldn't have made these dumb changes and taken choice and and options away from the player and they shouldn't have been so clunky in how they introduced the story which is also not usually the case in these games so you know the world is great i actually think i don't think it looks as good as unity or syndicate unity looked the best of the three because they had uh this like crazy fucking lighting engine on there which they had to draw back for syndicate because uh that was what was part of what was making it run so poorly even still syndicate looked incredible and that's only at 1080p now i'm playing at like 16 p or whatever and uh i don't think it looks as good as syndicate so um doesn't look as sharp i don't think the lighting's as good the you know there's not really many puddles on the ground like there were in london um because you're out in the desert but even still it's just like certain things like that don't look uh nearly as crispy yeah it just doesn't look as crispy or sharp or um as uh I mean, London in Syndicate looks fucking fantastic and it has so much life to it and it has um, so much vibrance, even in like the dreary, foggy parts. Excuse me, even at nighttime. And I just don't necessarily feel that all the time here. It's still a beautiful game, still great looking, but it does feel like a drawback once again. Um, Yeah, so I'll kind of wrap up here because we're we're pretty far fucking into this. But uh, to say the least... Lots of disappointment with Assassin's Creed Origins. I'm still playing it. I'm still enjoying it. it there's still a good game there. But, yeah, they did a lot. They, there's a lot of fuck-ups here. Very disappointing fuck-ups. So, yeah.
0: It sounds like I'm going to wait a little bit longer for it. What? Yeah, but, this
1: game is not, uh, uh, you know, even if you are a big fan of Assassin's Creed, I would say don't pay 60 for this game.
0: Uh the thing I want to say real quick before we hop into news, because we have been running really long, me and you had a lot to say about Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins, Yeah, but, exactly. I mean, there's a reason. They're two of the biggest releases of the year.
1: Um, Especially for us,
0: personally. Exactly. Uh, I want to tell you my weird tinfoil pessimistic theory, Jordan. Sure, sure. And this may not come true. Obviously, it's a theory. I think this is the bridge to an Assassin's Creed games as a service. And the reason I say that is because a lot of the systems they implemented, the loot system with the certain rarities it drops, definitely plays to games of service. Uh, The fact that the combat becomes less intimate and more of like pokey, pokey, stab, stab, plays more to a games of service model where there's multiple players fighting the same opponent at the same time. You know, it's it's less... Well, I would
1: say it's more... It's actually the opposite of what you said. It is more intimate, less pokey-savvy. And then also, I would say... Sorry to interrupt you, but it does pertain to the two things you just said. People are getting pretty upset over the loot boxes here, because obviously it's 2017, and that's the whole story of the year. But Assassin's Creed has had loot boxes for a minute. Unity in 2014 had loot boxes, Uh, and they're not that different from 2014, and they're completely non-invasive. They're like time savers and stuff like that, which, yeah. you know, I, like I said, when we talked about loot boxes, I don't think that's an excuse, but it's not as as big as people are making it. They're just hopping on because, well, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but people are hopping on because of the fact that loot boxes are such a big deal right yeah. now.
0: And I, not that has nothing to pertain to loot boxes. I'm talking about specifically the the loot in the game, the rarity system, that they've set up in this game that's different than uh, other Assassin's Creeds, where there's legendary drops and stuff like that. That plays I gotcha. more to I gotcha. a game's a service, not necessarily loot boxes. And then my right. other thing is, I guess I worded it incorrectly with the, the stabby and poking and, and intimate. What I'm saying is, I think the new combat system plays better to multiple people fighting the same enemy as sure. opposed to the old system. Um, sure. I just worded it incorrectly. Yeah.
1: And they've experimented with uh, multiplayer in the Assassin's yep. Creed games before, not like uh, an MMO type or a Destiny type, but yeah. it's not uh, unheard of. I will say I'm, I'm totally cool with like the legendary drops and stuff. It makes it a little more interesting, and it makes it... A little more RPG-esque, but people are also getting on that. We're like, wow, Assassin's Creed's kind of an RPG now. It's like an action RPG. And once again, like Unity was like that. Yep. Um, th- even 3 had aspects of that, and even before that, there were aspects of that. So that's my thing is um, that I've actually wanted from Assassin's Creed, that they've always flirted with the RPG mechanics, yeah. but they've never just made an Assassin's Creed RPG, which is like they're long enough they have the the breadth they have all the stuff kind of like ready to go to just turn it into an rpg and people are clearly into that for single player games so like yeah why not just make it like a horizon zero dawn or something like that just turn it into an rpg just go full bore with that stuff and i think it would be more enjoyable but they always just flirt and it's more action rpg than straight up rpg and yeah that's no different here and i wish they had just gone full
0: bore yeah. Uh, speaking of games of service, so we're going to be hopping to the news. Um, first bit of news. It has been reported that less than half of Destiny Two sales are physical. More than half Jeez. of Destiny Two sales are digital. Hey, we're living in a digital that's world. Where it's
1: going. Yep. That's where uh, it's going.
0: Very surprising because that's one of the best-selling games of the year. Uh, second sure. up, real quick, we don't have to touch on this too long. I'm excited uh, Player Gnome Battlegrounds finally got a release date for Xbox One It's coming out on December 12th for $30 bucks. i am excited uh, Right now this is my only definitive uh, purchase right now I, I'm trying to decide what's the next game I want to buy Whether that's Wolfenstein 2, Evil Within 2 AC Origins was up there But it's definitely yeah, no, not up there wait, anymore uh, Wait for sale And uh, uh, Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle Which I'm kind of on the fence for that Not because it's not a great game but because I might get Mario'd out, and I might want to save that for l- later next year. Not later next year, but early next year, you know? It's
1: a great game to, to put in your pocket, yeah. you kind of wait on. Um, um, I will say, I'm waiting for Wolfenstein on Switch, and I need to play the first Evil Within, so that's where I'm at with
0: Yeah. It. Completely understandable. Also, I might end up just picking up the first Evil Within 2. There will probably be a sale for Black Friday, I assume. Um, yeah. We're going to be hopping into the meat of the episode, which... We don't have a whole lot of time to discuss it. I mean, we have a decent amount Did of time, but
1: Sorry, should but... we?
0: Can we? Can we talk about House Mark real quick? Yeah, uh, that was a new story we were originally going to have that I was going to cut. Um, Sorry, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, House Mark ended up putting up a, a, a post on their website, basically titled "Arcade is Dead," and they talk about how it's the end of the era for them. That they're, they didn't make the return on the games that they've published, and it's just not a viable business for them anymore. Uh, obviously, right. you're a huge Housemark fan, so you can give your thoughts before we yes. move forward.
1: Yeah, so love Housemark. I've bought both Matterfall and Next Machina just because I um, support that studio to the ends of the earth and love them so much and love their style of games. And I know that they just don't make anything less than great games um however i did tell you before like those are two cyberpunk arcade games that, from housemark in the same year even in the same summer i think within the a uh, couple months of each other so i'm sure they've seen seen diminishing returns over the years excuse me but i don't think that helped here at the tail end because they were talking about how how poor um next this sold uh with a collaboration with eugene Jarvis. that kind of sucked for them but at the same time Either way, regardless of that little bit, I think it's sad, very sad. I am excited to see where they go in the future, but it just sucks, you know, with, like, the fact that indies are, uh, you know, can be so successful now, and that's not um, anything out of the ordinary. It sucks that that wasn't really the case for them, and they're exclusive, but they're exclusive to the best-selling platform in the world, you know plenty of PlayStation 4s out there it sucks that they've been passed over by people and I, I hope that they'll get um, more um, looks you know I hope that more people will give their their next game a chance whatever it may be
0: and I think that uh, super giant are the guys behind pyre and Bastion right and uh, transistor? It, see and that's the thing I think this is the difference in philosophy and maybe why Supergiant has been able to do what they've been doing is because people ask like why don't they just make a sequel to the game they've made why don't they continue like why are their games so different from one another and we're seeing yeah. with Housemark that man if you're if you have a niche that isn't selling particularly well and you put yourself into that corner as good as your games are their games are critically acclaimed phenomenal games right 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 from a business perspective you know it just doesn't work and like we talked about before the show housemark Quality Studio. I'm probably going to be getting a PS4 next year. Obviously, their game, will, their next game won't be out by next year, I assume. But I'm excited to see what they have next because it might be a game I'm interested in. Because none of their games have interested in me, not for lack of quality. It just that's not the type of gameplay I look for, you know. Um, At
1: least they're not shutting down. That's the best. It, yes, the yes. It, so it could that's be the most worse. Positive point you could take from. Yep.
0: Uh, Yeah, the last news story, this is the the meat of the episode. Uh, We're not going to go through everything in detail. We're going to obviously talk about the big hitters at depth. But um, So, you know, PlayStation had its uh, Paris Games Week conference. People have been wondering, well, why are they doing a conference? What does that mean for PSX? We'll talk about that after we go over the rundown of everything that happened. So the pre-show, they had an hour-long pre-show. Um, they talked about a bunch of different things. They unveiled some indies that we didn't know were happening. They showed off some new PSVR stuff, which is really great for that platform. Um, and the biggest hitters uh, were Guacamelee! 2. So we got a sequel to Guacamelee! am um, very
1: similar to the first game.
0: <laughs> I, I have a question for you. Was the first Guacamelee! a, a timed exclusive? or?
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I,
0: I, I so. love Guacamelee! Uh, this is a game I, I can't wait for on Switch. I'm not getting this on Xbox One. I want this on Switch, so I'm going to wait for that. Uh, hopefully, yeah, and I think a lot
1: of people probably saw that.
0: And the other thing, the other game I want to wait for on Switch is Spelunky 2. I've talked about on this podcast about how much I love the first Spelunky. I never assumed or guessed there would ever be a sequel. Derek, Yu isn't that type of developer. And we saw Spelunky 2. You take control of you, his daughter. It's awesome.
1: You excited uh, that the they're hinting towards space?
0: Yeah, the moon. Yep. Uh, right. I think that's cool because I think it's refreshing enough. I think it's going to have a lot of the same core mechanics, but obviously mm-hmm. you don't want the same super aesthetic of underground and all this stuff. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. Like, I love Derek Yu. I think he's a phenomenal developer. He's actually somebody I look up to. Um, and uh, When I when sorry, I saw that, I was like, oh,
1: good for Jared.
0: Yeah, super excited, man. I was like, me and Andrew Goldfarb, <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some other uh, things that we're not going to necessarily get into. There was a new Tennis World Tour uh, title revealed, so another tennis game, which people are asking, where were the tennis games? Um, From the top spin, guys. Yep, exactly. Uh, the Sims 4, they showed off how it's going to look on PS4. Um, this top, uh, top-down top uh, twin-stick shooter, look looked like, that has some slow-mo parts to it called Hong Kong Massacre, uh, which looks like Max Payne meets Hotline Miami. Yep. Uh, Loco Roco 2 uh, Remaster gets a December release date. Um, and some other VR titles that they talked about. Nothing too interesting. I think there was an update on Moss, which I think looks really cool, the one with the mouse. Um, yeah. A weird, really weird mobile game, PSVR game, uh, called League of War, which is a terrible title. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and they also showed Resident Evil's Not a Hero DLC. Resident Evil 7's Not a Hero DLC in, in PSVR. Um, but I want to get to the actual conference, because I know we have a lot to say about that stuff, so I don't want to take too long on all this pre-show um, stuff. The first game we look at... Ghosts of Tsushima, Ooh. for those of you, can for I, those of you... Can uh, I take over here? Yeah, real quick, I want to say, for those of you who are like, why would they call Ghosts of Tsushima? Tsushima is the island between Korea and Japan, um, so it makes a lot of context uh, necessary when you're talking about the mogul invasions, uh, and, uh, yeah, um, and it's Sucker Punch's new game, And uh, Jordan's been waiting for this, so you can have the floor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you, Jared. Yeah, so um, to start, I think I was watching along with Easy Allies um, on the conference. And uh, they were, of course, going, oh, is this Onimusha? You know, is this, you know, one of these other samurai games that we're used to a sequel to it? And I'm like, of course, at one point they were like, oh, I wonder if this is Sucker Punch, a new game. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Because this is very very different seeming um, from of course, Infamous, or uh, even Sly Cooper, you know, um, but then, you know, it's, it's looking too good to be, like, a, a third-party game, really, you know, or even, um, you know, it's obviously a AAA game, I guess is what I'm trying to say, and then, yeah, like, I'm thinking, well, what third party is just making some, like, samurai game, you know, and so then I'm like, well, if it's not third-party, then, yeah, it's gotta be Sucker Punch, because, they're the only first person first party studio i should say that we don't know what they're doing uh except for i guess studio japan now that they're finished with um eco or uh last guardian and they're not they're not working on the shadow of the colossus remake um so i would love to see them uh, looking forward here a little bit if they could be announcing bloodborne 2. if from's not making bloodborne 2 i'd love it to be studio japan because they worked on the original bloodborne and they have the chops to do it. That's not Team Eco. Team Eco was a part of, you know, like a sect of Studio Japan. Studio Japan has, you know, a lot of chops outside of that, made Gravity Rush and 2, 1 and 2. So I'd love to see them working on Bloodborne 2. Possible PSX announcement there if we're lucky. Anyways, um, I knew it wasn't Studio Japan is what I'm trying to say there on that long ass tangent. And so then, yeah, I'm like getting excited and then yeah they reveal um yeah it's it's this guy talking to a samurai this mongol talking to a samurai who's clearly just conquered his village or whatever and you're seeing these gorgeous landscapes and then you see uh you know stuff start to burn and and, um stuff going down if you haven't seen the trailer i highly recommend it i've watched it several times since that conference um great great trailer so they reveal the name Ghost of Tsushima which is an awesome title and I think it's great because it's not just like something super simple like ghost or samurai ghost or something and I'm I know that there's gonna be tons of American people that are like um, you know down on the game just because they don't want to have to pronounce Tsushima but um, Either way, I think it's fucking dope. So you guys need to, like, get over that and just learn how to pronounce Japanese words correctly, I guess. Um, But they do the title reveal, and then, bam, they hit you with that sucker punch logo. And, of course, I freaked the fuck out because, you know, I was so pissed when their game was not revealed at E3. And they, you know, 55-minute, 52-minute conference, whatever, they totally had time, and they weren't doing anything too special in that conference. So I personally believe, like, you should have put that Um, there, and then maybe taking away some of the other stuff, because we really just saw a lot of repeated stuff. Not repeated stuff, but we just saw very similar-looking trailers. Yeah, Yeah, for games that we already knew were there, like God of War or um, uh, Detroit, stuff like that. You should have taken that stuff out of there and, I think, put um, Ghost of Tsushima in E3, and then you wouldn't feel like it was a repeat on some of these other things. Um, that were at E3 for their Paris Games Week parts um, So either way, I was upset that they didn't uh, reveal at E3 Still think they should have, or just waited till PSX But either way, I'm very excited to see that Sucker Punch is working on an open world samurai game Third person action RPG seemingly, you know, because that's, that's what they do is third person action adventure, really um, Of course, this is one of my favorite studios, if not my favorite I've talked about that a lot on the show, so I have the utmost trust in them. Um, It'd be cool if they were making the Spider-Man game, and I think they could totally rock that shit, but I also think that Insomniac can totally rock that shit, and so to see them going so far away from Infamous or from the Sly Cooper series, even though I wouldn't mind uh, another Infamous game, I do think it's time for them to move away from there, and then hopefully we'll get another Infamous game in several years. I don't think that series is dead by any stretch of the imagination even though it's not the best seller um but i think this is fucking awesome like if you were gonna tell me hey sucker punch you're gonna get a reveal for their game coming up it's not gonna be infamous but yeah that's what's up i would be like okay cool but is it just gonna be you know a third person shooter is it just gonna be you know some some type of game that we kind of see a lot of and it's like nah man you're not even going to know what's going to hit you here it's it totally came out of left field and i'm so excited to see that they're doing something you know samurais you know of course neo is a fucking awesome samurai game even though you're playing as like an irishman i think in that game <laughs> yeah. the Tom way, cruise treatment. Which, well no it has uh historical context because it is about a real guy who went over and learned the way of the samurai in uh uh he was i think from ireland so it it has historical context there it's not like they were just like well you know we're a japanese studio and we could not make a game all about japanese people but white people need to be in this game it wasn't like that so either way neo great samurai game but it is hard as fucking nuts and it is an open world and it and it is more of a souls like game
0: well it's not Um, an open world right because there's sections you have to replay i wouldn't consider that no i said it
1: it isn't oh sorry i misheard you yeah yeah it is an open world at all it's it's uh just like a souls game where you kind of have these like branching paths you can choose where to go i think it's even Um, less
0: it's more like odyssey really because it's like these sections you load up
1: yeah you load up you choose on a map yeah it is odyssey is a good way to put it um so this is going to be very different than that and it's not going to be you know kicking you in the teeth every two seconds which i actually think neo is harder than bloodborne but uh yeah man super excited about this game obviously we didn't get a whole lot there's a little dev diary that you can watch on youtube still not a whole lot from there um as far as what the game's going to be um you know we could be a year plus away from gameplay because we're a year out of the last of us 2 reveal and we still haven't had gameplay which is fine um but either way i'm so fucking pumped and of course i have the the utmost respect and um i i think they're gonna nail it you know I, i don't have any doubts with sucker punch so i'm I'm fucking on fire with this shit.
0: Well, Sucker Punch has been working on this longer than we assume they've been working on Last of Us Part 2, right? That Naughty Dog has been working on Last of Us Part 2? Um... You know, it's tough.
1: It's tough because Sucker Punch is a one-team studio and Naughty Dog is a two-team studio, so I think they were working on Last of Us 2 during the process of Uncharted 4 and Uncharted Lost Legacy, but now they're... uh, everybody's working on Last of Us 2 with a yeah. naughty dog uh, Neil Druckmann said that well, in a dev diary of his game so uh,
0: the thing I want to say about Ghost of Tsushima is that it's another game for me that's teetering the needle for me eventually wanting to get a PS4 Spider-Man's obviously done that and we're going to talk about that in a little bit um, yeah. for me I think it's really cool it's very interesting it's very unique I'm happy it's not Onimusha or any of those older games because I know people have nostalgia for that stuff but like I could care less if this yeah was we new don't Oni-
1: necessarily need that
0: yeah know. And that, would have done, that wouldn't have done anything for me personally. I would have been like, oh, this is a cool-looking game. Not until Tony Moshe Because um, I already know what to expect there. This is really cool. It the would turn
1: more people away than it would bring people in. I
0: think the name's fine for me. I have no issues with it, considering how weird Horizon Zero Dawn sounded until we found out that was a fantastic game, and now it's nothing to us. I do think that this is a February 2019 game. I think this is going to be their Horizon Zero Dawn for 2019. Take that slot for them. Uh, I think that's where... I really think that's where uh, they're going to be looking to put a lot of their uh, major first-party exclusives. Is that like that m- beginning of the year February March uh, time frame. It seems like that's what Sony wants to do.
1: I'm hoping that Last of Us Two is like fall 2019 because looking at yeah. next year, even like if Spider-Man gets delayed out of 2018, it's still fucking stacked. And I don't know how they're going to fit all those games in there. Especially talking about all these games that we showed at E3 are going to be the first half. Of 2018, Like, Jesus Christ.
0: And it's going to be interesting to see if a lot of these... I still don't think uh, all of the games are going to hit next year that they're saying that are... I just don't see that happening. But we could have an interesting discussion of what happens, and this is just a maybe, what happens if all of these exclusives come out next year for PlayStation and it hurts them? Because they have so many exclusives, people only have so much disposable income that some of those games don't sell as well and they hurt because of that, you know? Right. Um,
1: like, I'm probably going to get all of them. I'm oh, definitely yeah, going to get exactly. all of them. exactly. Who knows why? But that's not everybody.
0: Everybody doesn't have that but much disposable income, you know?
1: That's not even most PS4 players, yep. you know? So it's yep. like, yeah, they, they could be hurting themselves for sure, especially if they're all front-loaded, like kind of like what they did this year, yep. you know? Spread that shit out and give me some goddamn summer games. Exactly. For In real. Fall,
0: like, it's weird that we're looking at fall now and the only first party is Odyssey, really, if I'm thinking about it. I mean, Cuphead, right? But that isn't really... That's not a true yeah. experience. But, like... Yeah, GT Sport. I, yeah, but those are, like, racing games. That's, like, niche, you know, for me personally. I think those are, like, super niche.
1: It's niche, but it's the best-selling PlayStation uh, series.
0: I'm talking about for, like, us. The context of us. We're not gaming. Oh, GT for sport. us, yeah, yeah. But I'm
1: just saying, that's going to sell a shit ton. Oh, yeah, know?
0: yeah. Um, and, obviously, 4 to the 7 is going to sell a crap ton, too. But, like, it's its right. weird that, like, every everything's becoming front-loaded. And it's opposite of what we remember as kids growing up. Um... Yeah, I don't want to go too long on that. What I want to go... Oh, let's go through the rest of this list, and then we can talk about PSX a little bit afterwards. Um, So they showed off this game that I think the price point is going to be the biggest uh, factor in whether or not this game sells a decent amount. Concrete Genie. I think it looks interesting. I think it looks artful. I think it looks like a fun time I think this—if this price is outright, like at fifteen to twenty-five ish dollars, somewhere in between there. Oh no,
1: it's a thirty, forty-dollar game. If you ask me, you think so? It's looking—it's looking kind of big budget, you know.
0: I think, I, I, believe me, I think it looks like a great game, and it might have that budget behind it. But I don't know if it having that big of a price point will help it, you know. Um,
1: it just it wasn't really interesting to me, and I love graffiti. I love art and shit
0: like that, and I was just kind of like, eh. I think that's a cool PS uh, Plus game for me. I think that'd be a cool game that like, you see on sure. PS Plus, and you're like, download it, have a blast. As far as Try trying to out. put it out there and sell it for 40 bucks, I don't think it'll do very well, but it looks like a cool idea. Something yeah. very interesting also was weird that he dressed up as the lead from Infamous, kind of, with the orange beanie. <laughs> yeah, and like he does
1: look like Delson. Yeah, yeah
0: very weird. Um... They had a, a VR segment, uh, which is really cool that they dedicated some time to VR because we were, we've been asking, are they gonna, you know, support VR? And they had a lot of interesting stuff there. I wouldn't say a lot of those games look like the, uh, you know, the go-to piece of software, um, but yeah. it does. It's nice that they're showing support for it nonetheless. Um, Definitely only, no
1: deal breakers for me as far as wanting to get a PSVR after that. So. Yeah. Uh,
0: really quick, we had this really interesting PlayLink game that's live action called erica that looks it looks it looks a little sorry go ahead i was just gonna say these playlink games really
1: interest me especially um hidden agenda coming from the until dawn studio supermassive but i'm like or i think it's supermassive right um i think so Yeah. but i'm like are these it seems like they're multiplayer only because of the fact that you're you know yep hiding your agenda from the other people that you're playing with on your phones like come on just let me enjoy it single player if i want to because i like those like basically big budget telltale type games you know
0: yeah for me i can't do the live action stuff it's really corny to me and that's just a personal thing oh i agree yeah game. yeah but for me, like, i
1: like yeah. i gotta say when i realized erica was live action i was like yeah even if it was <laughs> single player probably a no for me
0: yeah, it's very it's it's nuts. It's a, it's a very hard thing for me to like get past. Um,
1: Even though it's high quality footage, it still yeah. feels like that old FMV stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's really make sense. weird.
0: Uh, next up, uh, before we get into the heavy hitters, because we are going long on time. Uh, the third party part where they talked about guess what's exclusive to our platform which is weird because half of the games they didn't even really talk about what was PlayStation centric about it so we had Bungie uh, show off the first footage of Curse of Osiris which is the first piece of DLC coming out December 5th focuses on the Warlock Osiris who's you know this guy who basically was uh, a chaotic I would say a chaotic force within the guardians and he went off and did his own thing and he was experimenting. Uh, we don't know if he's an enemy or a friend, uh, looks like the next, uh, raid and the expansion is going to take place on mercury and it's going to be vex focused, which I think is interesting. I loved the ending shot where it showed you in that doorway and then it zoomed out to kind of give you an idea of how big that space is. Um, yeah, it obviously, uh, it's they're gonna have exclusive content. I didn't really see anything first glance that they didn't. I didn't hear anything either. It's like uh, exclusive strike on PlayStation. Didn't hear anything like that. Uh, obviously, yeah. we know something's gonna be exclusive, but it didn't seem they didn't make that relevant, which is weird. Uh, next up, we have the Monster Hunter World trailer, where at the end you found out that uh, Aloy is gonna be a playable uh, character in the game, um, and awesome can-
1: stuff. I was already sold on that game.
0: Yeah, I think that's really cool too. They made that evident. That's like, oh, yeah, Monster Hunter Cross Horizon Zero Dawn. Awesome. Which also plays into the fact that they're here to stay with Horizon Zero Dawn, which is great. Um, then they showed off On Rush, which is this new adrenaline like fueled racing game. Um, that game didn't really do much for me, but then again, that game also didn't show what was special about it being for PlayStation. Really weird. Um, yeah. They showed the exclusive time DLC for Call of Duty World War II. Uh, which there's a lot of weird stuff coming out considering they didn't release review copies. They invited people to a press event and a lot of the press didn't go to that review event. So a lot of the reviews for that game are going to be a little late. Also, the fact that like the player hub area is on Normandy and you see loot boxes uh, pop up there on Normandy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Very bad. Uh, anyways, yeah, so we saw that. Uh, I want to get to the, the the meat of this. I think the least important out of all of these... Are, I shouldn't say least important, but I want to go through these in order of how much we're probably going to talk about them. First up, we saw a look at Shadow of the Colossus Remake. Looks cool. Um, It's visually... Looking good, yeah. Visually, it looks great. Um, There's some issues people are having worried that they didn't change the control scheme because apparently the controls on the first version of it weren't great. Some people Uh, love it because it's like... Fucking weird. You need to keep the controls. But other people are reporting that there's actually two different control schemes in it. There's Classic and then the new one. So, apparently, if you want Just the classes. Just let me map control... them, Jared. <laughs> Just let me map them. Yep, exactly. Uh, anything you want to say about Shadow of the Classes real quick, or can we keep going?
1: Um, well, you know, they did this weird thing where they kept on saying early 2018, uh, you know, yep. 2018 at the end of these trailers, and that's kind of pissing people off, which I get because people used to be pissed off about how Sony always delayed their games. So, it's like, make up your mind about what you, compl- what you want to complain about, people. Um, but I think...
0: It has a release date.
1: game, we got in a press release or on a GameStop post, something like that. It's it's February 2018. So, um, looking at how it just got revealed at E3 of this year, it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, it's February 6th uh, specifically, okay. and it got okay. revealed in the YouTube trailer uh, description uh, on the video. Okay. Uh, cool. Next up, we have Detroit Become Human. We got a look at Kara, who was the tech demo a long time ago. It was the third playable character. We were waiting to see her in gameplay. We've seen her before in cinematic stuff. A really intense scene where you, uh, you're dealing with her being the maid for this abusive father who's having trouble dealing with his wife leaving him and his daughter. Um, and it kind of plays out uh, as you would expect, showing you the different options and the different outcomes in the situation. Um, it makes it clear
1: that she's been, like, reset before. Exactly. And it exactly. Seems like he probably, like beat the shit out of her and broke her down so they had to go repair her and she's coming back and like doesn't remember the little girl or whatever.
0: I think the interesting thing here is that I I really feel and this could change when the game comes out that you're going to have three different dynamics in this game. You're going to have the detective character forgive me for not remembering their, their specific names. You have the cop character who I think is dealing with uh the android versus human dichotomy and that relationship between those two, you have the, yeah. the, the, the rebellious uh, guy who, I'll, I'll, sorry, once again, I forgot his character's name. He's kind of dealing with where do they go from here, and I think Kara's dealing with the immediate circumstances that androids have to deal with where they are... They're emotionally to the to the level of humans or it seems like they're getting there, but they're still being treated as if they're nothing but a product. And... Right. Uh, I think th- those three different levels of Android versus human interaction is going to be really refreshing. Some people had issues with um, the portrayal of domestic violence, and people said that David Cage was riding it just to, you know, uh, puff his chest or I don't know some hit job. Something to complain piece. about, Jared. Yeah, I I thought it was a I thought it was great. It was very intense. It kept me engaged. Yeah. I think the I one thought it was very well done. I think the one thing you have to do with this game is sell people on the fact that your choices matter and that some crazy stuff happens in the, in this game it's not i love telltale but it's still like that cartoony feel whereas this definitely hits you in like the god this is horrible i want to help this girl you know um yeah i really want a release date on this game too uh we got spring 2018 i believe if i'm correct um i believe and uh i just want a release date this is kind of my theme for the whole thing is i want actual release dates i know we've complained that their games get delayed but. You're touting that all of these games that you've shown that have dates at ea 3 are coming out in the first six months, and yet we don't have a release date yet.
1: If they keep do this again, where they show another little bit of these games and uh, don't give the release date at PSX, then yeah, I'm like fucking yeah. come on. But right now, I'm just like, why didn't they just in the trailer? Like, why did they have to say early 2018 again? It doesn't. Exactly. You don't need
0: to have that just in the trailer. Exactly. Uh, next up, uh, we had the God of War trailer, which I didn't don't think did anything much. More footage of God of War. Interesting dialogue yeah. between the kid and, and Kratos. Nothing. Introduced
1: the Soul Eater, but yeah, yeah, they it it was like, yep, here's God of War again. There's there's there was some filler in this uh, in this uh, conference for sure.
0: Exactly. Uh, and the last two trailers I want to get to before we close out. Uh, the first one, Insomniac Spider Man trailer. Um, we saw a look at Peter Parker. We saw a look at Mary Jane. Uh, we got some glimpses at uh, Shocker. Uh, we found out that Miles Morales is more than just a, 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 an onlooker to Spider-Man stuff. He actually knows Peter Parker, uh, which is really yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, we saw a section where it was actually confirmed in an interview after the conference that that section where it looked like you were playing as Mary Jane walking around behind the luggage, you are playing as her. Which is super yeah. cool. Um, sure. Yeah, for me, I think... Nothing you have, probably haven't heard before in another podcast. I think the... I like the design of Peter Parker and Mary Jane. I just think some of the textures were a little weird. Um, like, especially on Kingpin, when he's walking into like the back of the van, I thought there was some weird stuff there. But, uh, yeah. like, I'm super positive, though, on the trailer. I think we saw... We didn't need to be sold anymore on the Spider-Man uh, aspect of this game because we saw that demo... Uh, we needed to be sold on the story aspect of this and getting to know who Peter, this Peter, and this Mary Jane. Um, we even saw Aunt May too for a glimpse. I,
1: I did notice that uh, Mary Jane was pretty toned down. Like usually, she's a yeah. fucking fox. You know, she's like a bombshell type chick, and she's just like she's just like a normal pretty girl in this one.
0: I think that's just. I think the political environment we're in that plays. I think that plays more to um, the story that Insomniac's trying to tell, where. They, the last thing they want is for people to be, you know, another argument or complaining of, like...
1: Right, but that's what I'm saying is that yeah. I, I could tell that they were kind of like, yeah, let's just make her pretty. Let's not, like, have people bitching about us for some other stupid reason, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, I. People are complaining that they want to see more villains... I'm fine with, you know, we've seen Mr. Negative, we saw Glimpse of Shocker, we've seen Kingpin, and we saw Osborn. I'm, I'm good, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Keep
1: some of that hidden.
0: Exactly. I know there's going to be more villains. People are like, oh, it's all QTEs and there's not going to be that many villains. It's an open world game. Insomniac knows how to do this stuff. Just don't worry about that stuff. I think people are just, you know, worried because it's Spider-Man. I love the trailer. Um, like I said, my only gripes are some of the texture stuff. But I, I like the design of Peter Parker. I like the... The, the 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 back and forth between him and Aunt May of like hey do you need money he's like no nah, I'm just a little behind on the rent and he walks in and like his lights his light bill wasn't paid so his lights are off and then it shows his room I really I really hope you get to go into Peter's room and just like you know an open world game just like look at stuff you know and see the the yeah. level of detail they put in but I'm I'm already sold in Spider-Man this nudged it even more uh what about you
1: absolutely absolutely I echo yeah. that you know
0: yeah I didn't need much else from Spider-Man. I liked to more of Peter, but like I don't need to see any more going through the city. Uh, I'm sold. Like I don't need really anything else from Spider-Man at all. At all. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last trailer I want to get to and this is the most I want to say divisive as far as as far as uh,
1: somehow somehow Jerry. Yeah,
0: exactly. The Last of Us Part 2, which the one thing I want to say is an interesting problem Sony has is that when this trailer started, people didn't know if this was Days Gone or Last of Us 2.
1: Well, I mean, when you look at the character models yeah. about four seconds in, you're like, clearly this is clearly Last of Us this is not awesome. Days Gone.
0: But I think it's an interesting idea. And that, plus, where is that game? Anyways, I love this trailer. I think it was great. Um, I think we talked about this before the show. I think thematically it showed what Last of Us Part Two is, the world of Last of Us in general is. This isn't cookie-cutter, you know, take three seasons for something to happen walking dead style which i like walking dead but that's just a criticism i have of the show but like this is no this is what would happen in in real life if a zombie apocalypse happened right and this is a type of stuff that would happen like this is a cult they're dealing with non-believers how do they deal with that i want to give props to the to the the modeler for the the main female in this trailer because she was yacked like jacked was, bro yeah, yeah fucking shredded exactly uh which i think is awesome um you know, some people complain that like you you know you don't need to make butch females or yadda. All these people have all these issues. And just shut Jesus. up. Jesus. For me, I'm like that's cool because that's a character type of character you don't normally see. My my yeah. my biggest gripe with females in video games isn't like oh you dress them in scantily clad clothing, which is an issue sometimes. It hasn't been I think for the last couple of years. For me, it's like I want to see more powerful women, not just what they're saying, but like you know women who have a presence. And this lady had a presence, man. She was
1: sure sure. Yeah. Um, just a little side note there, Jared. When Not necessarily scantily clad, but when you hear people complain like, oh, you got this girl in a video game, she's so skinny and she's got big boobs. I'm like, hey, there's uh, there's girls in the real world that are skinny and have big boobs, by the way. Like, that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's a thing.
0: My biggest so just gri- fucking get over it. My biggest gripe is like when they have women have armor that doesn't cover anything. I'm like, well, if this is yeah, supposed to be or- armor... <laughs>
1: <laughs> or armor that would clearly be, like, stabbing them in the exactly. breast, like, just yeah. ripping them open, like, okay, come on. I,
0: but I uh, I love this trailer. There have been a ton of, uh, we're not going to have the conversation, but people have had the argument about violence. I don't want to touch on that. I just want to talk about that this is a great tone piece. I don't want to see any more of Last of Us 2 until we get to see gameplay. I'm not saying I want to see gameplay at PSX. I'm saying the next time I want to see Last of Us Part 2, I want it to be gameplay. That's what I'm saying. Right,
1: I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and um, yeah, we don't need to focus on the negative here because we're both so positive on it. That trailer, yeah. even though it's really just a cutscene, that cutscene is so well directed, as all of Naughty Dog stuff is. You know, my complaint with Naughty Dog has never been about their storytelling exactly, or their cinematic yep. uh prowess. And like, damn, dude, the 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 vibe and the. Like I said, the direction, the voice acting, of course, the sound design was incredible, the atmosphere, um, and I really appreciated the the high stakes and um, some of the fucked up stuff happening, because um, you bring up Walking Dead, uh, people talk about, wonder if Walking Dead would be better on HBO, and I think it would be much better on HBO, uh, um, aside from some of the other problems I have, major problems I have with the show. It might actually have a budget. <laughs> <laughs> well not just the budget i think no, they have a solid no. budget but uh the biggest thing because they've got a fucking cg tiger on the show at this point but anyways <laughs> um in the comic there's stuff going on that's like way more fucked up and it's way more consistent and in the show it's like yeah there'll be some fucked up stuff here and there but they go way way lighter and that kind of betrays the world that they're in
0: yeah
1: um even though i think they went too far on Uh, glenn's death i felt like they've really lingered on that and it did get kind of torture porn area but either way that's not how the show usually is and yeah in these sorts of situations like the road like the last of us like the walking dead comic the world gets super fucked up super fast and so i enjoy the fact that they're willing to go there and they're like this is the world they're not trying to um they're not going for shock value, which is the negative that people have had for uh, seemingly a lot of them. They're just presenting the world as it is. And I very much appreciate that, you know, aside from everything else, how great that trailer was. And then the, the reveal that it's the last of us in the last of us world at the end, which if you didn't know by then, you're kind of just a dummy. But uh, the fact that they're like, um, Oh, they're coming. And then all of a sudden, right before the last frame of the trailer, you just get a couple, couple frames, of these clickers running out of the woods and it's just oh so well done you know such great atmosphere and i love that trailer once again i've watched that multiple multiple times uh since the show
0: uh my personal trailer of the year so far i loved it i absolutely loved it and it's not
1: it's really not a trailer it's a cutscene, you know it's like
0: a tone piece really like i don't know it's
1: right exactly it's
0: fantastic um very artful Really quick before we hop into what we're going to be playing and stuff, um, I just want to get a brief thing from both of us, because it was going to be a topic, but like we, we talked about two games that we were really excited to give our opinions on. Um, sure. PSX. There's rumors Patrick Klepp has stated that uh, PSX isn't going to be what it was last year. Paris Games Week kind of took a lot of that, the air out of the balloon for They's- that they and,
1: skipped last year. Paris Games yeah. Week 2015 was pretty big, and then they skipped last year, and which made PSX bigger. So it makes sense. you
0: know. He's basically saying for people to tamper their expectations. For me, all I want out of PSX and what I expect, I'm not expecting game reveals or anything. I just want a couple of release dates. I don't need release dates for, any, for everything. I just want a couple yeah. of release dates. That's all I'm asking for. You have all these games yeah, that are supposed time. to be coming out in the first six months. Give us some release dates. Come on
1: yeah it's time it's time and especially if they're they're once again showing these games i think they'll get back to um uh days gone which you were wondering where it was i think it was good for them to take off that game to take off actually i think it needed a break and you know that's it just doesn't seem like it's an incredible game like most of sony's first party stuff because i don't think ben's necessarily an incredibly talented studio like the other first parties are and so um You know they're trying to make it look better than it is, and they just can't because that's not. It's seemingly a good, to like really good game, but I don't think it's going to be great or amazing. So um, it's good that that game probably got a break, and uh, I'm sure it'll be back for PSX with a release date, hopefully. Same for these other games. If you're going to keep showing them now, yeah, you got to have a release date at the end. Um, And then, man. PSX, buddy. Bloodborne motherfucking 2. Studio Japan or From Software. I don't care. Just give it to me. It's time because (laughs) at that point it will be nearly three years. Uh, It came out at the beginning of 2015 so the beginning of 2018 will be three years after the release of the game. Um, The DLC, the one DLC pack came out. Old Hunters was end of 2015 so two years now since the DLC was released. Um, And uh, you know, Studio Japan's usually working on multiple projects at once, and they released um, all the stuff for Gravity Rush 2 towards the beginning of this year. And Gravity Rush 2 wasn't like a gigantic budget game, so they've probably been uh, tinkering with other stuff in the meantime. So yeah, man, I think it's definitely time for Bloodborne 2. I think Bloodborne 2 would be better served at a PSX. Or maybe a paris games week or a tokyo game show than it would at a uh, e3 but regardless i do think it's time i really want it and it's one of those things like i can't imagine them not doing a bloodborne 2 especially like pretty soon after the first one because they did retain the license for this one whereas they didn't for the souls games or they did um but they didn't keep it exclusive I, whatever anyways Bloodboard Two, let's yeah. do it, man! I guess what I'm uh,
0: trying to say. As far as what we're gonna be playing, more Odyssey for me. Just gonna be getting them, them moons. Uh, nothing else planned. I'll uh, we'll see what I what, what I gravitate to, but yeah, o- more Odyssey. Just more Odyssey. Loving that game so much. Can't wait to hear from you when you reach end game because I definitely want to talk about all of the all of the goodies and stuff. So that's it yeah, for me. Definitely. And Thor Ragnarok, okay. obviously. That's pretty
1: much yeah, it. Yeah, going to see that later tonight. Got my ticket, so very excited about that. Um mr robot was great i want to give that a shout out um i think after season two it was a little bit rocky It had some really great fucking parts um but uh was not necessarily up to par of, of season one it had some tedious areas i would say but season three is right back up there and, and right up there with that level of quality which leads me to say i believe that uh, mr robot um is absolutely the best show on television um, right now and not just airing in the fall I mean throughout the year um, Mr. Robot's where it's at so um, shout out to that and then of course I'm going to be playing some more AC Origins, I'm definitely not done with that game even though I'm, I'm pretty negative on it kind of sour on it um, and I'm certainly enjoying it more now that I've got a, a better grip on the game and I, I see where it's going and I'm kind of you know, a little more comfortable with it um, and then, uh, big old shout out, I know I've talked a lot about the lineage of this studio. This is the third Need for Speed Ghost game coming out, Need for Speed Payback. Um, of course, those are former uh, Burnout devs, former Criterion developers that spun off into Ghost, um, who basically make very Burnout-type Need for Speed games at this point, since unfortunately uh, burnout has been um, kind of snuffed out. Also, we'll get to how poorly EA has managed some of their shit uh, when Dom comes back because we're gonna talk about visceral. But the fact that criterion, you know, there a the game that was like, you remember that game? like, all the different extreme sports Jared and they yeah. just gave you a random ass tech demo at E3 way before they ever should have shown that game it just gets cancelled and now Criterion one of the best uh, racing developers in the world if not the best is relegated to making the vehicle combat and fucking Battlefront it's like Jesus Christ I wonder Christ, if that EA. game got
0: turned into Onrush Jesus
1: On Rush. Christ well Onrush is a Codemasters game um, uh, for
0: some reason I thought Codemasters was owned by EA I don't know why. Nope. I thought they purchased them. That's my nope. fault. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it definitely so looks code... like an EA game. To be honest with you, like even the light has logo and stuff. Yeah.
1: So Code Masters actually has former um, MotorStorm. Uh, what do you call it? MotorStorm devs that got shut down with. Uh, um, oh, what's that studio? What was that studio called? Uh, not Gorilla. They made. Um, um, The other uh, Sony racing sim besides Gran Turismo, which is like, what the fuck were you doing? Um, Drive Club, um, the former Drive Club developers, Evolution, that got shut down. They were the uh, MotorStorm games, which is like, why did we not get a MotorStorm on PS4? That's poor uh, management by Sony, but at least they're not as bad as EA. Anyways, Onrush, we didn't mention that. That looks cool. Um, Definitely a MotorStorm vibe. Love MotorStorm games. Um, Onrush is a weird name, but still, I think it's going to be a solid game anyways very excited for need for speed payback uh because like i said this is the third ghost need for speed game and i think ghost is a great studio they really know what they're doing Uh, of course they have that racing pedigree uh need for speed rivals their first is incredible um and it's one of the few games that i love playing online because um you know you just ride up to somebody hit a button ask them if they want to race they hit a button say yes or no and then if they say yes you guys are just rolling from there on out and you do a little race and and it's so easy so fun you don't have to get on your mic um, and it was the same in in just need for speed the game out the game that came out in 2015 um, i had some problems with the game it wasn't perfect but it was still solid um, but it looks like payback's going to be a little bit more like rivals uh, which is just one of my favorite games, period, but definitely one of my favorite racing games. Um, so, very excited about Need for Speed Payback, and of course, you know, most people aren't necessarily talking about it, so, gotta give a big old shout out to
0: that and my peeps over at Ghost. Uh, yeah, that was episode 76, or 77, sorry. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you can, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Even if you don't watch the videos, every subscription helps. Also, speaking of that, if you can, uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, if you can please leave us a review and, uh, a like on there, that helps as well. Dom should be back next week. More than likely, if not, it'll just be us two again, us two goons. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Have a good weekend.